Come on in. It's the real Kipper and Bourne show. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee, Derek Brandale, Jen Rolnick for the next two hours. Once again, as I always tell you, we are live and in color. Sportsnet 590 also on the platform, Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Plus from 4 to 6. And wherever you get your podcasts, if you can't catch us live. And Texas 590-590 throughout the week, today, tomorrow. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, a lot of development in the hockey world in the last 24 hours. The latest report, of course, five players told to surrender in connection with the 2018 World Junior Investigation. The five players have been told by London Police Services to surrender in connection with allegations of a sexual assault in June 2018 on a woman by members of the 2018 Canadian World Junior Hockey Team. This was, of course, reported by the Globe and Mail. And anything further, you can go to sportsnet.ca as this story develops. Uh, Lots of speculation out there, JB, in terms of social media and uh, the media. Of course, people wanting to have questions answered, like who, what, where, when, and how. Mm -hmm. That's what we're not going to do that because we just, we don't know what we don't know. Not our place, yeah. Right now, it's just uh, not, uh, not our place. But let me just ask you this. This has been an, a really long investigation to the point where people were just starting to con- conclude that like nothing was going to come out of this. Right. So how surprised or shocked are, are you or hockey fans right now that uh, this has now gone to where it is? Well, I don't know, Kip, because I don't know how common the knowledge would have been, you know, or the sentiment that this was just going to kind of go away at some point. Like I... I didn't really know what to make of it, uh, and it did sound obviously like something serious, you know, happened. And we're talking back in 2018, and it was still coming up fairly regularly. So, I guess I wasn't shocked to see that at the end of the day that there were some sort of there's some follow up. I expected follow up at some point, whether in the form of a report from the league or from the London police or whatever. By the way, the London police uh, are having a press conference February 5th to update people on sort of what's going on here. But, yeah, I mean, this is serious business, and I think the fact that it's moving along is a positive step for the victim and for everyone who's kind of had this hanging over their head, time to to get some answers and get some closure for people. Closure, uh, Sammy, it sounds like it's just the start. It's just the beginning, unfortunately, but... At least got to start to finish. You, you got to start it at some point here. Um, I heard Merrick say that it was the uh, beginning of the start or the end of the start. Like it feels like we're now into the sort of meat of it. Right. Like it's about to kind of happen here, and we don't really know any of the details or whatever. And I'm sure on February 5th, which is not this following Monday, it's the Monday following it's a pretty that. Pretty big punt. Yeah, right two, for an two, update, but. two weeks uh, or a week and a half, and then they'll have a press conference. And I don't know if we'll get. Yeah. names then or what we'll get then but it's a big story and it's not gonna i i this is we're just at the start here Tip and of the I, iceberg fellas. and i think it's probably um you know one i don't i shouldn't say i think it's it's serious business for the players who are involved for and, sure. and whatever like this is there's going to be fallout from this mm-hmm. just to officially uh read what the london uh, police put out uh 
This was earlier today. We understand that there is a significant public interest in relation to a sexual assault investigation dating back to 2018. While we are unable to provide an update at this time, we anticipate that the London Police Service will hold a press conference on Monday, February 5th, 2024 to share further details. Uh, That, of course, will come after the All-Star break. And I'm not here to tell you by any means that the timing sucks for the NHL um, because justice deserves justice 24-7. And it's not about a good time time or a bad time. But, uh, man, this this has a chance to – I hope it doesn't overshadow all the great things, though, unfortunately, uh, um, that – so many people were planning on on NHL All Star Weekend, but yeah, how can it not be a distraction? <clears throat> well, I think it's uh, part of the conversation around the NHL right now. There's no doubt that it will continue to be over the weekend. Um, and Gary usually has a presser at All Star Weekend, doesn't he? Sure. So that's a great point too. Yeah, it'll be led by questions about this, but I think it's about time that yeah, you know, get start getting some answers on this, For and sure. that he's probably held to the fire a little bit on it too. So. Yeah. And I also think, you know, his point in that presser is probably going to be that there has to be, or, you know, that they would like there to be a divide between something serious that they're dealing with and all the fans of the NHL who want to watch the greatest players play hockey and they don't, you mm-hmm. know, they're, they're, I'm sure Gary's goal will be to sort of create that separation from it. Yeah. On the weekend, we'll see if he's successful or not, but that was certainly will be the goal. Okay, once again, uh, sportsnet.ca for the latest on uh, this developing story. The Toronto Maple Leafs got a huge back-to-back. The Winnipeg Jets starting tonight on Wednesday night hockey here on Sportsnet. Big night. Where where do these two games lie for you in terms of importance of of where this team goes after the All-Star break? I'm going to say these are huge, huge hockey games for them. I really do believe that. Like, they, you know, they've kind of been doing this sort of tightrope walk of, hey, is the bottom falling out on this thing, right? Like, there was the four losses in a row, and they played some very good teams in Western Canada, but they beat the teams they were supposed to beat. If you follow that up now, though, with a couple of losses, and you've got four-game losing streak, two and two, another two losses, it's probably bad vibes for this Leafs team. But you go out there and you beat a very good Jets team who's currently first in the Central. I think you can feel good about yourself. And in terms of momentum and, God, getting things going in the right direction, I think these are big games. Yeah, You you said, was it yesterday or the day before, that this could be a, a fork in the road moment? And I, at the when you talked to me about that, I thought, that's ah, two games, Kipper. That's, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. But the more I've been thinking about it, I think there might be something to that. Like, if they lose both these games, and not in embarrassing fashion or whatever, just... Two losses, yeah. potentially zero points out of this. I feel like we're right back to square one with that four-game losing streak with the heat around Coach everything in this team. Like, it's everything. Yeah. And if you get three out of four points in this stretch or you, you know, God forbid, get four points out of this stretch, yeah. 
we're back, like the parade's back on, baby. Like, <laughs> like, we're back. Yeah, right? like, I really feel yeah, we like a good team. Yeah, like, a road trip. I do feel yeah. like it is a big time swing moment for everyone involved here. And with the All Star Game here yes. and everyone talking they around go, Toronto, they, like, go in, they go in with like the low momentum. They just lost the Jets. They're a pretender. Yeah. Oh, they beat one of the best teams in the league twice. In yeah, a row. And it's like they've got to figure it out. You go yeah. and do something like yeah. this. <laughs> exactly. And so, totally redeem yourself. <laughs> <laughs> when I thought, when, so when you said that's that, a great line. You, I love that, that movie. When you said that before, I thought you're being a little bit sports talk radio hosty with that question. Yeah. But the more I've thought about it over the last 48 hours, I think you're right. I think I actually do think it's a massive two yeah. games for them. And they have to Jets think about team. this for two weeks. I know. The and next this game's Jets February team 5th. Is the exact thing they haven't been able to beat yeah. in the playoffs. It's a. It's the best defensive team in the NHL. They've given up the fewest goals in the, uh, on the year. They don't give up slot shots, cycle chances, no rush chances. First in the NHL at limiting rush chances. Go ahead. That's a playoff caliber team here for the Leafs to measure themselves. You're playing the West Panthers, basically. You are. That's yeah. exactly right. We're going to talk to Ken Weeb uh, in about 20 minutes. Winnipeg Jet writer for the Winnipeg Free Press, co-host of the Ken and Rennie Show. Uh You'll have greater detail on what is making the Winnipeg Jets tick. The feeling is Mark Shifley won't be on the lineup tonight. Oh, no. He didn't. He didn't uh, take a regular shift. I think he wasn't in the line. He was the extra in the line rushes today at Mount Skate. Yeah, so he's not going to get to do his favorite yeah. thing. Yeah, Lardy's also may be out. Uh, I, maybe the Leafs will catch a break there. And they're at home tonight. Like if you're going to get one of the two, this would be the one. So let's go to Sheldon Keefe for our first Kippers Clipper of the day on what it's going to take to beat these mighty Jets. Yeah, just getting getting to their net, you know, getting access to the net, getting access to the zone. Uh, they also do a lot of really good things on offense too. So they, you know, they they're good with the puck and they put pressure on you in your own zone. So just uh, you know, two teams that are going to be fighting for possession and territory through the game, and then looking to gain access to the net. And special teams, of course, would, would be a big factor, too. I mean, I don't agree that they do a ton of great stuff on offense. but The Jets? Yeah. They're, Where are their numbers? They're 12th in the NHL in goals for, 14th in goal uh, expected goals for, but they're 24th in high-danger chances. Like, they're not creating these, like, great A's. So what are they, they're just wearing you down? Yes. Deep, put the pucks deep, cycle. The third line of Niederreiter... Uh, Appleton and Lowry, Lowry is unbelievable. Like they're heavy and they can finish and they're 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 really solid. But they, you know, Kyle Connor can score, Perfetti can score, but none of them are Matthews, Marner, and Elander. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is a, this is not very good. <laughs> mid. <laughs> no. Mid on offense, the best in the universe at defense. Yeah. And having the best goal and in the league helps. helps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go to Sheldon Keefe on on the back to back and. I mean, we've kind of stipulated what we feel is yeah. a fork in the road back to back. Let's let's hear from Sheldon. You know, you get these you get these in the schedule. They're kind of rare, but I I do think they're they're nice to have. Um, you know, especially this week here, the way that it is with leading up to uh, a break, and uh, I think it's good. And I, as I referenced earlier, the, the North Division you got a lot of that, and, and I thought it was really good and fun, and um, it brought some. Some extra intrigue and interest from our perspective or my perspective at a time when we weren't playing in front of fans and stuff like that. Um, but to to have these the full buildings added to the whole, uh, to add it to everything, 
I think is great. So you know, we're 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 looking forward to competing against one of the one of the league's best here. Yeah, I those games were greasy. Yeah. The Jets and Leafs, they really by the end of that North Division thing hated each other. And if the Leafs hadn't blew it against yeah. the Montreal Canadiens in the first round that year, it would have been them and the Jets in the second round, and that would have been excellent. Would have yeah. been an excellent series. Would have been really great. Yeah. But the Leafs had other plans. They, they leafed it up. Yeah. Bit. We can go back they, to... They invited the poor nurses to that game seven. And oh, that's they, right. They were like, Remember they were like come on the in, Dennis. <laughs> they tortured all the people who were going through hell. They're like, nurses, Yeah, there's one thing that you guys have earned over this pandemic. It's a game seven in Toronto. It's come suffering. on in. Oh, I forgot. So we can go back to uh, Jason Spezza's shift mm-hmm. where he went after... Pionk. He need him in the head, right? Yeah, flying knee to the brain. Like, have we got a chance to see any of that type of emotion between these two hockey clubs? And are the Leafs as best prepared? Because I've seen a very feisty uh, Jake McCabe. Uh, There's Benoit, who seems like a gamer. Uh, there's, There's Max. There's... No Bertuzzi tonight, and we'll, we'll touch on that coming up. But if there's a chance for this to be an emotional one, or are the Leafs kind of prepared tonight? I don't know, Kip, you've been watching them for a lot of years. Do you think that's their strength? <laughs> but I'm the host here, and I'm asking the questions. <laughs> okay, my, then my answer is no. I don't okay. think they're well prepared. All right, yeah, okay. No, I, I tried to answer. throw something out there. Yeah, no, this They're going to have to outskill them. Yes, this, well, it's been a, a year-long theme is... You know, you have encouraged, and I think they've been encouraged internally to have that bit of feistiness, and it shows up here and there, and it's pretty good, but it's not a strength of okay. the team by any stretch. I'm just really liking... I hope you're right. I, I'm only basing that off of, in all honesty, McCabe. Yeah. Like, I've seen him the last week crunch guys, hit Zach Hyman. I don't know if Zach Hyman's been ever hit that hard that was game. devastating because okay. Hyman's a heavy guy. No, I I, I agree. He so, demolished him. Yeah. I'm like, okay, Jake, need that tonight. But see, when you see this from these Can guys, set- like when you saw Nyes do it, yeah, it doesn't mean that they're now heavyweights or something. Like, you know, they have these moments. Okay, why is it my era, like when guys did that, you had to do it again, well, and you had I to do it know. again, and you it? had to do it again. Why? Well, why didn't I get 10 nights off of not fighting or yeah. not hitting somebody really hard or not pissing somebody off? Why are these guys off the hook if they don't do it for a week or 10 days? I guess it's role definition. Like, I don't think of Jake McCabe as a guy whose role is to create energy. and hit. He plays 21 minutes a night. They need him to play D. and. No, they need him to... Piss people off. I mean, if that, sure. If the coach believes that that's what they want him to do, I think if they had better defensemen, honestly, if they had better defensemen, you say, McCabe, you're a third-pair guy. You're going to play 17 minutes, and we want you to just, we want that to be a part of your life. Uh, you know, I'm just looking at this lineup, and I can't say I, I love the look of it going against the Jets tonight, and I don't think there's a ton of guys that are going to do it. You know, you just like, I guess the only option would be, like you said, um, McCabe, but then I guess 
Domi, like you said. But outside of that, it's just not going to happen. We saw Nyes do it once. Once. And that's, can it happen again? Bobby McMahon, did he fight someone or did he kind of fight someone? He did. He hammered somebody and got <sighs> kicked out of the game for a clean hit. And then he fought. Who did he oh, fight? Oh, yeah. It was Mintikov that he hit. Yeah. Anaheim and then there. he fought somebody out. Oh, it wasn't Gudis. No, I forget who it was that he fought. But he fought somebody. So yeah. there you go. But I don't know. I just, if you're going to, I mean, your fourth line tonight is McMahon, Camp, Gregor. If you're ever going to throw the dog a bone for, for Reeves, tonight would be the night. You know? You got Nyes, Holmberg, Robertson on the left side above you, too. Like, McCann's going to give you those seven wonderful minutes that you're going to play him anyway. Like, you're barely going to play your fourth line. Anything uh, happen with Ryan Reeves? Oh, yeah, Bertuzzi's still away. So yeah. nothing has to happen. My bad. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi expecting his second child will not play tonight. So he's off the ro- roster temporarily. Which, have you ever heard of that before? I don't know. Okay. Maternity leave. Brandon, Brandon Pridham is unbelievable. I think it would be paternity leave. <laughs> did you say? Oh, what did I say? <laughs> I paternity. <thought> maternity. <laughs> paternity. <Yeah>. Anyways. He, <laughs> He's having a baby. Yes. Yeah, he, uh, they nailed this timing. We had a baby eats a boy. So um, they nailed the timing. Another opportunity for Nick Robertson. Let's get Sheldon Keefe's thought on him in and out of the lineup. Yeah, I think he's handled it really well. Which is uh which is important, you know, and I've talked to him about that as a young guy, you know, that you need to you need to a couple things. You need to keep a good attitude, you need to continue to work, you need to wait for your opportunities, and when your opportunity comes, you need to uh show that the time uh without playing hasn't impacted your game and how you haven't lost your rhythm, you haven't lost uh, your ability to come in and, and make an impact because once that happens well especially when you're a player with without uh, waiver protection you you end up in the american league and, and you're playing and you're so and then we bring you up when you're ready uh but he's handled himself very well here and he has shown as you say when we've put him in that he gives us a bit of a spark and and uh and it doesn't seem to have effect effective if anything the time and the less of a workload um in terms of the games when he comes in he like I talked about the other night, comes in on a back-to-back and gives us a jolt of energy. I really like how they've handled Nick Robertson this year. I don't think they're getting enough credit for that. You know, like, they could yo-yo him between the minors and NHL and whatever, but they haven't. And I think if you demote him this year, you make him look like not an NHL player. And you want, you know, we've mentioned trying to increase his trade value if he is an asset. I also think getting him in the mindset where... You're a young player. You're going to be in and out of the lineup. That's just kind of part of your role. And so you got to kind of roll with the punches and be ready to go when it's your turn. That's great. I think they've kind of given him the best chance to succeed this season possible. Listen, he, uh, there's a lot of people that would not agree with that. I know that. There's a lot of people who would not agree with that. But what that do they think a, should happen? I, to be fair, be them. I agree. What do you, but what do they think should happen? That he should be getting more opportunity higher up in the lineup because he's not necessarily be given a chance to produce at the level he should be able to produce at. If he's playing higher in the lineup with better players and they think God, that there's be something nice to be there. Able to just turn a blind eye no, to panicking uh, with the puck uh, and turning it over. And I have painted myself into a corner I do <laughs> no, not want to be painted in. <laughs> I know. I just I think that their that opinion is one that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily agree with. I agree with you that it exists out there. Okay. Whatever the case is, however you you see him. You cannot deny that in the games and the opportunities that he's had, he has proven himself that he can score in this league. Absolutely. He's on a 25-goal pace if he played 82 games. Is it that high? Yeah, he's seven goals in like 27 games or something. He's uh, 
Yeah, seven goals in 27, yeah. Perfect. And that would probably get you right around there. So that there, there's value there. The only question is, is how much value if you want to move him at the trade deadline? Or do you envision him eventually being a, a top six scorer for, for your respective club? Yeah. And, and I don't know. They, I'm not sure they know. No. And also, I think there's lots of guys who could give you the goal total we're talking about if you could put up with flaws and faults. Yeah. You know, like you could Kaliev and on L.A. not do that or, you know, whatever. It's just you don't get to play if you can't do other but, things too. Can't just shoot it in like, sometimes. He's got to be so excited to hear that Bertuzzi's having a second child because he's happy for his teammate. No, he's he wants <laughs> he's his. He's of. getting his ice time tonight. That's oh, yeah. the, uh, it. Doesn't matter, right? Yeah, <laughs> baby, or you pull the groin. It's all the same to me. Yeah. I'm coming in. I want your ice time. I want to prove to everybody that I'm a Toronto Maple Leaf and I can play top six. He's going to get that opportunity, and he's going to get it not against San Jose or Seattle. He's going up against a big, strong, contending hockey club tonight. That's a bummer for him. If he shows well, he goes to another level. Yeah. it's It's a great opportunity for him. He's such a good shooter. If he could just trust that, like, when the chances come and they'll come, you know, you'll be able to show that, but you can't force plays. Like, just make the right play until it's time, you know? Mm. And it's really tough to be that patient, and it's something he's still working on, I'm sure. And that patience, when you get... Play 10 minutes. And when you get a game a week, it's hard to show that patience. It's like the puck lands on a stick anywhere near the net. He's like, I'm firing this one, baby. Like, I got to show what I can do, so... Bertuzzi is going to miss his first game of the year. He was on pace for 11 goals this season. Like, is that true? Yeah. Is there anybody that maybe could use a a break, I guess? I don't think it's much of a break. Well, it gets you away from (laughs) hockey. Hockey, it gets you thinking about your wife, your, your family, your child. Like... What has happened here with Bertuzzi here? Hopefully uh, he gets the Fred Van Vliet bump. Wasn't it Fred yeah, Van Vliet yeah. that got like won them the championship after his first child was born? Hopefully that's, that's right. what you get. Got hot. Has uh, he, has he, I'm going to throw something at you. You tell me yes or no. Has he been underutilized? Well, he, he started with Matthews and Marner for the first, what, 10 games or something like that and didn't produce. Since then, he's been on a line with Tavares and Marner, Tavares and Nylander. I guess the only point I would imagine you're making is no power play time. Mm. Bingo. Yeah. And like you know, you've thrown you've thrown this out a couple of times. He he led the Boston Bruins in scoring in the playoffs last yeah. year. Like that's what people were expecting. Mm-hmm. He had, uh, I think he had 11 points in seven games. Uh, yeah, five goals. Yeah. And how many twenty six po- pims? What was going on? And and how many points in the playoffs came off a power play? Ah, Do you know? Yes. And how many points was it total? Eleven. Yeah, yeah. She had ten. Five and five for ten. So uh, I would say half. I was gonna say yeah, five. Half. Five power play points. Yeah. So like this is a guy that needs power play time. He's had it. He had it in Detroit. He had it with Boston. Briefly, yeah, and he 
virtually has none of it now. Because the big boys continue to swallow it all up. But it's one of those things where it's like you do have John Tavares who throughout his career has been elite. I think he was top five in playoff points last year with 38 playoff points. Or sorry, uh, power play points. 38 power play points. It was like half the games he, he would get one. Yeah, but that was last year. Yes, and he would have he had huge goal totals there too. And I understand that was also last year. But it's really hard to then be like, hey, this guy who didn't do it as well as you is going to take those minutes. That's why, I mean, to me, they have enough to do two capable power play units where you create a little inter- competition, you put one on for a minute, you take them off, like as opposed to the five guys going out there with zero urgency yeah. where they know they're out there for the full two minutes. They have created me, no internal power play competition. I know. And, and I never. said, I think yesterday that Bertuzzi, it might be time to move Tavares off there because I've thought about this recently too. Do you I think like it should that. happen? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. You know, it's one of those conversations with, where you want Tavares to get back going, yeah. and that's one of the places he does it. So do you want to rob him of the opportunity of finding it? But at some point, you're just rewarding a lack of success, though. Yeah, and I think Bertuzzi, I mean, we've seen, talked about a lot of his skills. A lot of them are very conducive to power plays, yeah. where he's good at whacking it in front of the net, like, well, he's supposed to be. Yeah, Hasn't been great this year, but he's good at passing in tight, area, tight areas. Yeah. yeah, tips and all that sort of stuff. Hot That's supposed to be his, like, his, you know, bag of tricks. So maybe they could let him dive into those tricks. But I, I don't yeah. know. It's been pretty underwhelming for Bertuzzi. It's, it's hard to watch some nights right now. It really is. And yeah. I, I just think, like, he took a chance on the Leafs. The Leafs took a chance on him for sure. But if he knew that he'd hardly see a power play all year, would he have still signed here? I'm going to say yes, just because how do you look at who they have and go, that's a great power play opening, you know? Like, they, don't you think? Like, he's aware of who was here when he signed, but I, I get your point that it's not, you think at some point you're going to get some run. The other yeah. thing I was thinking of is he hasn't gone back to Bertuzzi with Matthews and Marner. And, it, you know, when he first got here, a lot's new, right? System's new, coaches new, learning how to play with elite players is new been 40-some games. We're probably due to see if he can handle it a little better than Nyes has, aren't we? I think at this point in their season with their inconsistencies that everything should be wide open. Yeah. So. Yeah. But there is that feeling for some of these guys, and I'll include Max Domi and Yarncroc a little bit, and for sure Bertuzzi, that there's just Team A and Team B. We're back to you, yeah. baby. Right? Yeah. They just don't seem like a cohesive group. It's like Marner, Nylander, and Matthews, and then everybody else. Do you guys want fun stats? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that there was one thing, if there was one thing the new coach another thing would do that would blow everybody away, it would be the two power play units. Yeah, for that sure. everyone would be like, oh. So um, percentage of goals, or sorry, points, uh, the, for the Toronto Maple Leafs that have been scored by the core four over the years. So going back to 2018-19, they had 48% of the total points for the team were scored by the core four. Mm. Then it was 54.1. Well, it's climbing. It's 55.1, 55.1, 59.6, 61.1, 61. 61.6 is where See, we're currently That at. number should be going down the better You're your team gets. You're going the wrong way. That's crazy. You're, 61.6% of the Leafs' points this year have come from four players. That ain't good. Don't, don't, don't get hurt either, guys. Well, it's not good. Well, exactly. <laughs> then what? Yeah. 
Well, I guess you're just well, then getting maybe guys. someone gets an opportunity yeah. and finds yeah. themselves. Yeah. All right, should we go to break yeah, or do you for, want let's to? Let's take a break for Ken. Let's okay, we'll take a break. Yep. Uh, and then when we come back, Ken Weeb will join us and we'll get into what the Leafs can expect tonight against the Winnipeg Jets. It's Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee just warming up on the real Kipper and Bourne show after these words. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Kiprios, Justin Bourne, and Sammy McKee as we get ready. Toronto Maple Leafs and the Winnipeg Jets battle. In what will be a back-to-back home-and-home series Saturday night back in Winnipeg. It's kind of strange that they went out to the West and they come home and then they got to go back out there. But you know what? I Being from the actual West... is pretty it's, big. It's, it's, not, it's not that it's, part of it. It's, it's strange to me that people in Toronto think of Winnipeg as like, the West. West. It's yeah. just like... No, it's no, driving no. distance. You can drive it. <laughs> Just drive I, I've north always considered it like west. It's like right here to me. Uh, to me, it's way east from BC. Oh, my God. It's like close. It's like <laughs> three extra hours on a plane yeah. to Vancouver. All right. Let's welcome in Ken. We does a great job covering the Winnipeg Jets as they get set to battle the Toronto Maple Leafs. Weebs, how are you, pal? Thanks for joining us. Tremendous, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, Kipper. Winnipeg is almost essentially in the center of Canada. Just, just so that we're, <laughs> we're having a hot geography well, though, debate. Though we are, pr- we are proudly from the west, though. I think I got a fifty-two in grade nine, and that may <laughs> that may explain a lot of things, Weebs. Um, listen, uh, no, no Shifley tonight. Uh, still sounds like he's not going to play, and I get the depth of this team now and where they are in the standings, but still a little thin to me up the middle of the ice after you get away from the offense of, of Shifley. Um, what does this mean? I think uh, for tonight, can the Leafs take advantage of a no Shifley team? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a huge loss for them and then compounded by Gabriel Velarde being out. So two thirds of the top line, essentially uh, Vladislav Domestikov is a Rick bonus favorite uh, dating back to the Dallas days. So he's done an exceptional job since moving up into that second line center role tonight. He'll be in a top line role. Uh, and although technically Adam Lowry would be your third line center, but they technically are the you know, second line in terms of being over the boards and uh, Rick Bonus would love to get him out against Austin Matthews as much as he can. But, yeah, I mean, as we're you know talk, approaching March, the Jets, uh, you know, history has shown they haven't been afraid to go out and get a second-line center when they felt they've needed one. And I would say that, you know, between that and maybe another defenseman, it's kind of a toss-up between what they'd be looking for. But in terms of the matchup tonight, yeah, certainly uh, that would be an area, if you're Sheldon Keefe, uh, you know, you'd want to try to exploit. But uh, I would say at the same time the Jets uh, – They've done an exceptional job uh, with their depth and playing four lines, and even they haven't been afraid to have their fourth line against tough competition this year, and that's been one of the reasons they are where they are this year. Ken, the Jets, having just gone 34 straight games, giving up um, three or fewer goals, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs have done that 21 times, given up four or more goals. (laughs) (laughs) What gives tonight? So, yeah, you've got a a very different uh, stylistic matchup you know, what is it about this Jets defense that's so smothering? Because I look at the core and it's not six, or the, sorry, the D-cores. It's not six Norris winners. It seems to be a complete team thing. 
Yeah, it really is, Borny. And I would say this. I think that the Jets have kind of embraced what Sheldon has wanted the Leafs to embrace probably mm-hmm. for about four years. And maybe they've shown some signs, especially in terms of the back pressure. But the Jets have been really, uh, you know, structured and committed all year long. And, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, you know, the Jets have heard all of the stories and the comments about, you know, the back lack of you know, high-end talent beyond Josh Morrissey on the back end. And they've sort of embraced that as a as a five-man unit. And it, it's been at the core of their success. Yes, the goaltending has been exceptional, elite. Connor Hellebuck has been elite. Lauren Brassois has been excellent in the 11 starts that he's had. And uh, it's a testament to the goaltending. But also they've made li- their, the goalies' lives a little bit easier in terms of having uh, knowing where the shots are coming from. And that's been so critical uh, to both goaltenders especially. And, you know, we know all the talk about the Leafs goaltending situation, guys. I mean, Lauren Brassois is going to be a UFA at the end of the year. So I would say, uh, I'm not saying this is how Brassois is looking at it, but I mean, I would think that there would be interested parties on both sides about how this kind of marquee matchup under the lights uh, in the center of the hockey universe goes in terms of maybe a potential uh, off-season uh, scenario, maybe uh, to you know have right. a Joseph Wall with a guy like Brassois who has won a cup and 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 probably pushing to be in more of a 1A situation than he has been where he's been a clear-cut number two here with the Jets. Why has this blue line worked uh, the way it's had uh, this season, Ken, in your opinion? I, I looked at it and I said, you know, at the beginning of the season, I think they need to get bigger, they need to get tougher, but no, it doesn't appear that, uh, that, that that's played a factor in any of that that we've seen. Yeah. I'd say, Kipper, I mean, Josh Morrissey having another, you know, Norris kind of worthy consideration season. We know that a lot of the talk has been around McCarr and Hughes, and rightfully so. And we know Dobson's taken a big step this year. But uh, Josh Morrissey right in the thick of that uh, in terms of his ability to drive play from the back end. He's really elevated his game under Rick Bonus. And a big thing, too, guys, we talked last year about the struggles of Neil Pionk. Uh, his rebound has been an exceptional story, but in terms of the hockey side, in terms of getting his legs back, but also on the the human emotional side with, you know, Adam Johnson being one of his best friends and uh, having to go through that tragedy. uh, It's, I'm not saying that's the reason why, but he's found solace on the ice and really elevated his game. Brendan Dillon has been outstanding and uh, Dylan Sandberg is kind of one of those under the radar players on a third pairing Mm -hmm. that uh, has really grown into kind of a shutdown guy, really good on the penalty kill. And, you know, that's allowed Nate Schmidt to, you know, just be the number six guy. And, yeah, I mean, we talk about depth and, you know, the Jets have Billy Hanley just back with the Manitoba Moose. He would have been in the opening day roster. We'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I mean, you guys have been talking about Chris Tanev as a fit for Toronto. And uh, as a guy who played uh, for the Manitoba Moose coming out of college, uh, I would say Chris Tanev would be a guy that that should be uh, at or near the top of the Jets' wish list coming into March as well. Uh, I think he'd be an absolutely perfect fit. He's played in Winnipeg before his brother, Brandon, and uh, played with the Jets, obviously. So, But overall, the defense core has been very committed, uh, really you know, much improved on the exit side uh, of the puck. That had been an area that they had had some issues with the last couple of years. Um, you know, Physically, Brennan Dillon would be the, you know, the biggest banger. Pionk is competitive. And then Sandberg's a guy who... Uh, isn't overly physical, but he's a big, strong, sturdy guy that it's always been part of his game, whether it's in World Junior or in those Frozen Four championships with the University of Minnesota Duluth. I think he'll take on more of a physical element as he becomes more and more comfortable at the NHL level. So the Jets have been in a position like this in the past, and they've had kind of a tail off in the second half of the season. But, you know, I wrote about the Jets a bit today, and it just feels like the vibes are different with this Jets team. Like, it just seems... I, I do have to ask, do you think some of that is 
no Wheeler, no Dubois. Do you think it's a like the leaders and the, the big personalities are are not here? Okay, is that related to it, or is that just a total outsider take? Yeah, I, I think it's it's fair to a degree. I think Blake was a great captain for the Jets for for a good portion, but I think that there's the vibes are different, and I think that the, you know I wouldn't say that Blake himself was a dark cloud necessarily, but I would say is that uh, there is a little bit more empowerment uh, throughout the lineup, uh, sure. which is happening. Uh, I would say that uh, Blake is a very dialed-in, intense individual, and this is a group that, although in you know they can be intense when it's game time, they're a group that likes to have a lot of fun, and uh, it feels like they're just coming to the rink, um, you know, with a little and taking that into consideration where they're they're enjoying themselves more. And hey, let's not kid ourselves. Winning is fun at any mm-hmm. level, so it's easy to have fun when you're winning. Uh, the Jets have done an exceptional job of only having one three-game losing streak this year. So, you know, they've dealt with a lot of different kind of adversity. I mean, Rick being away uh, to deal with Judy's health situation, uh, Scott O'Neill taking over basically as interim head coach and, you know, weren't sure if he was coming back or not. Uh, so they've dealt with their share of adversity, Gabriel Velarde, Kyle Connor, now Mark Shifley. They've had injuries to deal with, but uh, the mood around the team has definitely been uh, positive. And, yeah, part of that is due to winning. But uh, I think it's also a group that's, uh, you know, feel like every player on the team feels like they're important. And I think that's... Uh, you know, that's something that the coaching staff has done an exceptional job of. And Kipper, you know, it's a huge difference if you're on that fourth line playing 454 or 11 minutes, right? I mean, you feel like you're part of it when you're playing double digits every night uh, rather than just kind of being out there to hold water and hope you don't get scored on. And, uh, you know, that's where you see a guy like Morgan Barron up to eight goals already this year. I mean, wow. uh, those guys have made a contribution uh, this year. And uh, like I said, I think it, it's a, you know, Again, their group is having a lot of fun. And, I mean, they're in the years past, Borny, to your point, it sort of felt like fool's gold a little bit, right? I mean, they were playing a brand that they were getting results, but it wasn't necessarily going to be sustainable uh, when the games got tougher, like coming out of the All-Star break the way it will be. So, to me, this year, their team is based on 5-on-5. Five five, uh, exceptional uh, play in that regard. Their special teams needs improvement. Penalty kill's been better, but... Power play has really struggled, and they've tweaked things a little bit with Nikolai Ehlers and Neil Pionk switching units for tonight. But uh, overall, their 5-on-5 five five game has been the foundation uh, of their success, and that's why I think it's un- highly unlikely that they have a nosedive like they did last year. We're talking to Ken Weeb, covers the Winnipeg Jets for the Win- Winnipeg Free Press, also co-host of the Kenny and Rennie Show. So prior to the the, the bodies moving in, moving out, uh, Resigning of, of star players, we can go back to the elim, elim, uh, elimination uh, playoff yeah. where Rick Bonus tore a strip off a hockey club like I've seldom seen uh, any coach do publicly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering, um, you know, with those words, I think we had we had no pushback. Is that where the true turnaround started? Can if we connect the, the, the dots here, Ken, does it go back to that press conference? Well, I mean, I would just say it even goes back further, Rick, or, uh, Kipper. And I mean, the reason why Rick was so disappointed in the group is because they had shown him for the first 50 games that they could play that committed style. And they totally abandoned it uh, in the second half. And yeah, I mean, the words were very direct. And But I think the thing that Rick has done an exceptional job of, guys, is he's shown his players that it comes from a position of caring. He wasn't lighting them up for the sake of embarrassing them publicly. He was just disappointed because he had seen them at their best. And he knew that the way they played in game one against Vegas, had they played that way, 
maybe things go a little bit differently. But, um, you know, some players definitely had their you know, feather, feathers ruffled to take another Jets term from years past. But at the same time, I think when they went home in the summertime and sort of kind of looked in the mirror and said, well, Rick is right. And that's what we've seen that sort of turnaround in terms of uh, the commitment because they know that it worked. They were like, let's not forget last year in January 16th, that team was also first in the West and then barely hung on for the eighth playoff spot. So uh, I think they, they had a little bit of extra scar tissue and yeah, you're right. I mean, Kipper, by the time I turned around to grab the microphone from Jeff Hamilton, Rick was already off the podium. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was pretty unbelievable there at T-Mobile arena, but uh, it was one of those things where, uh, it wasn't the volume of words, but it was the uh, the <laughs> the ability to deliver them in a direct manner. But uh, I think the Jets have done a really good job of sort of seeing what they were missing in years past. And let's not also not forget, guys, five different forwards in that group this year uh, started the trade deadline last year. Nino Niederreiter, Vladislav Nemestikov, very strong two-way players that go to the blue paint. Alex Iafalo, playoff experience, very diligent defensive player. Gabriel Velarde very conscientious and even Rasmus Kapari a first round pick who is also a pretty good two-way guy hasn't found his offensive legs but when you when you basically almost overhaul half of the forward group it's not a surprise if you look at the personnel they brought in that they've been better defensively well and maybe these are related this or that's related to this question here but I'm looking at Mark Shifley's stats this year um you know last season he scores 42 times this year he's on pace for 27 but last year, he's 26 assists. This year, he's already passed that. So he's got way more assists than goals this year, which is complete opposite of last year. Previous two seasons, he's minus 17, minus 18. This year, he's plus 18. So he seems like a totally different hockey player. And is that related to the different people who are on the ice? Yeah, partly. But I also think, too, that when, once Mark sh- signed that uh, long-year extent, or long-term extension, uh, he turned to the forum where he could be a legacy player. And he knows that... You know, he's having his kind of Steve Eiserman awakening. That was his favorite player yeah. as a kid. And the biggest thing for me, Barney, is that he's been able to still be a point-of-game player while not sacrificing on the defensive side, whereas last year maybe some people thought he might have cheated for offense a little bit mm-hmm. uh, because he thought he had to get paid on the next deal. But this year he has been the guy who helped drive it. And when your best players are the guys, you know, on the back pressure, on the back check, you know, if you're the for- if you're the 13th forward or the 12th forward, you can be darn sure that you're going to be back-checking as hard as you possibly can. But uh, Mark has also come with the, you know, he's a guy who came to the league with all this passion. You guys know how much he loves the game, loves talking about it, loves playing it. And he's just really, there's been a freeing element for him after having that security of the long-term deal and knowing that, you know, in all likelihood, he will spend his entire career with the Jets. And uh, absolutely, I think that Connor Hellebuck, it's sort of similar for him. And I think there's kind of a, uh, you know, I'll show the rest of you moment. All all we talked about in the summer was, oh, well, most teams are going to a 1A and 1B scenario. Uh, You weren't comfortable giving up the assets to get me or paying me. Well, I'll show you what you're missing. And uh, both those guys have really been, you know, driving force uh, for this group this year for sure. But, yeah, Shifley has definitely been, I wouldn't say a completely different player, but I would say this is the best 200-foot game uh, he's played since coming into the NHL. Hey, Ken, great stuff, man. Really appreciate the the feedback on the Winnipeg Jets. We're looking forward to the game tonight. Uh, thanks for doing this. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys, and, and enjoy the doubleheader here. Yeah, you too. You thanks, Kenny. Can we cover in the Winnipeg Jets? So, love the commitment to Zoom by our boy Ken. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. What, what was Thank he? you. Oh, it was great. What a guy. I think they great. were recording a live game show behind him in the background. <laughs> and I think it was Chunky from I Think You Should Leave. Didn't phase him. <laughs> One second. I absolutely loved his description of Mark Shifley yes. and the switch and the the comparison to Steve Eiserman, understanding that I've got my contract now. So, and then you come in with the numbers that kind of blew me away too. Yeah. And you know what my first thought is? No. Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. When does Austin? I knew, I knew that you were going to bring oh, this yeah. up. Oh yeah. I knew it. When does said. Austin become a legacy player and not a player that's just going after cookies? If Mark Shifley became twice as good a defensive player, he wouldn't be close to as good as Austin Matthews is today. <laughs> or offensive, too. Right. <laughs> Pick a direction. Yeah. You want to go either way. I know your point, though. Your point is just make it the priority. Because I agree shooting the puck in the net is his number one goal. And he's doing a terrific job of making himself look great, but he's not, he's not doing enough to help the rest of the team Help him. Yeah. The Shifley thing is really fascinating to me, though, that the plus-minus has swung as much as it has. Do you – so last year he's 42 goals, yeah. minus 16, and a defensive mess, whatever. Can you wrap your head around that just being a mindset switch? Like he really was like, all right, got the contract. Now I can focus on, like, playing hockey better. <laughs> it's just a crazy I don't concept. know how you get there. All yeah. I know is he's got one of the – He's one of the leaders on one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. That's, that's all I know yeah. is that they look like a team from top to bottom. And his numbers suggest that I don't need to score 45 or 50. He's on I can, pace for 27. I can score 27 and still feel like I'm having a better year based on the success of the team around me. Yeah. And that's how legacies grow into, yeah, yeah you're a good player. You're a star, but... What did you ever win? He's also committed to being there, right? Eight-year deal, yeah. which you know is something that Austin but hasn't done. He's also oh, no. He's <laughs> he also mentioned. He's also got a coach behind him that is just known for stifling teams' defense, not giving up a lot of chances. Yeah. So there's a correlation there, and Austin's got a coach that feels like he needs. Three, four, five goals a night to win. Yeah. Big difference. Yeah, as I said to Kenna, I thought, so the Jets gave up four goals in their first four games, three or four games, and then one other time after that, and then went 34 games not giving up four goals. The Leafs have done it 21 times. Can you believe that? That's just... But 34 straight games is insanely insane. That's so impressive. So it's the most in the NHL in the modern era. Uh, they were they were one behind the Wilds record of 35, yeah. but the Wilds set their record in the lowest goal scoring year in the last 20 years. Yeah, that's what wasn't it like uh, Jamie Ben was yeah, the Art Ross like 85 he, points or something. Yeah, yeah I remember exactly. that. Yeah. So you know, this is even more impressive to me, um, and a massive testament to complete game and good and, goaltending. And and the other one was the Bruins, like in like the 20s. Yeah, for like the record. Yeah, no, but it, it wildly been, good. It sucks that they lost on an empty header. Shouldn't count. <laughs> it, I think it should the, count. The it just sucks. Voids the it goal. sucks. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, I got to read for you guys. Uh, from February 1st to the 3rd, all the stars are in Toronto for the NHL All-Star Weekend. We'll be giving away tickets for the different events and episodes today until January 26th. 
Uh, today we have tickets for the NHL All-Stars competition featuring 12 NHL All-Stars competing in a series of challenges like the Rogers NHL Hardest Shot for a take-home prize of $1 million. To enter for a chance to win, text in today's code word FASTEST to 59590. And uh, we'll have another code word in tomorrow's episode, this time for the Rogers NHL All-Star Game. So be sure to tune in. That code word today is fastest. They really cleaned up the codes ever yeah. since we leaned on them about the one, eh? <laughs> yeah, 1967. <laughs> well, I got a, speaking of 1967, I got a big uh, release from the Leafs about the gala that you were talking about. So yeah. big deal tomorrow. I'm going to put on a suit. Nice. Gonna are put you on... wearing a three-piece? What are you doing? I don't know yet. Yeah. Fancy it I up. barely could put something on today. Washes on today or what? <laughs> it's a horrible day out there. Uh, we got time for a quick Joseph Wall update. Yeah, let's play that clip. That's perfect. And then we got to go. All right, clip three. Uh, no, not necessarily, other than to say he's progressing very well. He's going to remain here and, and work through uh, our bye week and all star uh, break. Uh, so he'll get, he'll remain on the ice. I think the plan or the hope is. Yeah, once we return, he'll be closer to or ready to join our practices. Uh, I would say, though, that, uh, you know, him coming back to play after the All-Star break would not be imminent. It would be more so progressing with practices and then testing it and, and progressing from there. So still uh, quite a ways away from, from games. How do you feel? Cool, 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 cool. cool. Yeah, I thought we'd see him two or three games after an all-star break. Not anywhere but close. That high ankle sprain on a goalie. Much different. Oh, boy. What a wonderful note. <laughs> yeah, and on that note. Oh. Hope you like Sammy. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ken Weep, we thank you very much for your time in this hour. And we're only getting started here on the Real Kipper and Born Show. When we go national, Ian Mendez is going to join us. And we're going to talk a little Ottawa Senators. Good job, guys. I think so. Yeah. Good enough. Thanks, man. You're pacing yourself? (laughs) I'm all good. We've got another hour to go. Yes. We're good. All right. Take a break, everybody. Have a drink, a little snack, and then get your butts right back here for the next hour.